Welcome to the Real Estate Entrepreneurs Podcast. Real people doing real deals in real estate and no fake gurus allowed. We bring you the best and the most real real estate investors in the space. They'll be showing you the good, the bad, and the ugly of real estate investing. Like, share, subscribe, get notified. It's the Real Estate Entrepreneurs Podcast. Welcome to the Real Estate Entrepreneurs Podcast. And this one is a very special one because this is the first podcast out of this whole lineup that's coming up. Uh, and I have uh, my friend, Victor Jerasek from, did I say that right, Victor? You, you're pretty close. Yeah, you're a check. Okay, you're a check. So from, uh, from Florida. And uh, we actually met at the, uh, this is the power, this is the beauty of networking, okay, guys? We met at another event in Tampa, Florida about a few months ago, maybe five, six months ago. And uh, we were just hanging out, drinking beer at the, at the uh, VIP lounge. And, uh, you know, like-minded people, they just attract to each other. And next thing you know, Victor and I are talking and, and he's sharing what he's doing and I'm sharing what I'm doing. And next thing I know, I say, hey, Victor, you got to come on my podcast, man. I want you to share to share your, your story and everything that you're doing. I, I know you're educating a ton of people. But anyways, I don't want to speak on your behalf. What I like to know is who is Victor? Where do you come from? What are you, what are you doing today? Well, sure. Happy to share my story. And thanks for having me on the show, by the way. Um, hopefully this will be a, a huge value for your audience. I want to share my story, like the good, the bad, the ugly, just so people can take away and have that benefit. Because uh, not all rosy. It's not all, you know, not all wins and big checks um, at the closing table. So I've had my fair share of uh, defeats there as well. Um, we'll get into that. But yeah, I'm, I'm out of Gainesville, Florida. I'm a fix and flipper primarily. I uh, did about 20 flips last year, goals, 30 flips this year. This is actual fix and flip, buying it, fixing it up, selling it. Um, and here in Gainesville, Florida, really like it, really enjoy it. Used to live in Utah and glad to be out of that bad weather, glad to be out of that storm, you know, snowstorms and blizzards and all that, you know, sub-zero temperatures. So I'm happy in Florida, um, just looking to, you know, grow and do more flips here. Good deal. And where, where are you originally from? Because your last name is European, right? <laughs> fair, yeah, fair question. So family and heritage is from Slovakia, so Eastern Europe. Um, I was born here. I still speak the language. I still speak Slovakian. Uh, we travel there every once in a while. Uh, we were supposed to go there. A, a cousin of mine had a wedding uh, in April of 2020. So just, just recently, less than a year ago. Uh, unfortunately, that's when Corona was taken ah. off. So uh, we didn't end up going. So that was... Did they uh, still get married at least? They still got married, yeah. Okay. It was a smaller, they all wore masks and all that stuff, but uh, they still got married, so that wasn't put on hold, luckily. <laughs> Good for them, man. So uh, tell me a little bit about your background. How do you get in? What were you doing before you got into real estate, and, and how do you get into real estate? For sure. So um, luckily, so real estate has been a family business for some time, for a couple of decades here. Okay. So I was involved in real estate even – on a much smaller degree, like helping out with renovations uh, when I was back in 14, when I was 14 years old. So, and you know, what do you give a 14 year old to do? So I like help with demo, help like rip out cabinets, rip out carpet, just like very basic stuff, help with painting, you know, easy stuff like that. And I was just helping out the family with some properties. We were doing a lot of rentals back then. 
and I was just helping out. And I was happy back then if I made like 20 bucks over a weekend, I'd be working Friday, wow. Saturday, Sunday. I'm like, Oh, I made 20 bucks. They gave me 20 bucks for my work. I'm like, this is, this is awesome. This is amazing. Um, I, so I had that imprint when I was younger, which was lucky for the real estate getting into it with that. I didn't know numbers, how to find deals, anything like that. I just knew some of the basics. Uh, how, how, at what time did you start? Like how early, uh, how young were you when you started walking through properties and, mm -hmm. and getting well, exposed I got, to it? I, I started saving, saving, saving and uh, got my first deal. It was a small condo, or like a small house in, in uh, Salt Lake or near Salt Lake uh, when I was 18. So I did my first deal when I was 18. But no, going back, like when, when you were with the family, like at what age were you getting exposed to real estate? Is it like since oh. you were like four or five years old or? I, I don't know if it was that young, but it was definitely like teens. Okay. Teens, so much younger. So 12, 13, 14. But again, it's like, you know, how much would you teach a, a 14 year old? Like you wouldn't. Yeah, but you're still school. learning by exposure, right? So it's all okay. going in your subconscious mind. You see people working, you see how they do the painting, you see how they do the flooring. Even though you're not being taught, you're picking up your environment. So, so that definitely helps a ton. It helps for sure. And it taught me a lot of the basics, but a lot of the other stuff, like how to find a deal, how to run numbers, how to get you know, funding, a lot of the finer points, I would learn later. I'd learn on my own. Okay. Mm -hmm. and, and how was that transition? So you said when you were 18, you got your first condo, right? That's right. So got the first deal. Um, Back then, what I wanted to do, I was, you know, family business was real estate and there was success there. I wanted to go and do something totally different, do it on my own. I'm like, this is the family business. I want to do my own thing. I want to charge my own path, you know, prove to everyone that uh, I can be super successful doing something totally else. So um, I was in college and I actually dropped out of college. I had a full ride and I said, hey, I don't think this college thing is for me. Uh, I was about two years into a four-year program and halfway and decided like, hey, I don't think this is for me. I want to go the entrepreneurial path. Uh, never made sense for me to, to go to school for entrepreneurial you know, endeavors or business uh, just because it's one of those things where um, like if they don't really teach it or they don't teach it well. Like yeah. if I would rather spend two years out in the real world learning it, trying to build my own thing than uh, in, in classes all day, trying to learn all the theory behind it. Um, so was in college, dropped out, um, and I thought it was a good idea to buy a business. So I always heard from people like, hey, rather than start your own business, because that takes time, what if you just buy a business, something that's existing and, you know, take it and run with it? Uh, so I bought a wood flooring business and it, it went to, uh, went to shit. It went to shit. Oh, shit. It was it like a franchise? It was a franchise. Yeah, it was a franchise. So I bought into a franchise and made a ton of mistakes. I'm happy to dive into what happened there. What happened? Then tell them, let's hear about it. I'm, I'm interested. I'm curious now. Mm -hmm. For sure. So the idea was to buy a business. So I was looking around, you know, what can I afford? So I was going to basically buy a smaller business, a smaller wood flooring business that was just getting started. Um, I talked to a lot of people about it, like trying to, you know, talking to mentors and listening and seeing what they had to say, getting opinions from a ton of people. Basically, everyone said no, like, hey, this is a bad idea or this is a bad business. Uh, you're going to be paying too much. Like as soon as I got into the details of it, they, they try to talk me out of it. And uh, I should have listened. That was one of the things. That's a good lesson for everyone listening as well. Um, you should listen. When you have mentors, um, you should listen to what they say. And I just charged headlong. I'm like, I'm going to prove everyone wrong. Uh, everyone's wrong on this. I'm right. <laughs> and I'm going to go out there and prove everyone wrong and do this. And 
So uh, would you think that it was a little bit of an ego thing that you wanted to prove them wrong and, and prove them that you can actually do this on your own and make it successful? And, um, and, and how, so, so how did the business fail? Um, like how was that process? Like when did you find out it failed or, or did you run out of money or you couldn't get enough clients? What, what was the, the, that experience like? Yeah, for sure. So, so I ended up buying it and, um, went through the process, like went through the training, franchise training, everything, um, went through the training from the previous owner. And it just, it started to go downhill. Like part of it too, I didn't listen to the franchise owner either. Like kind of <laughs> You were trying to prove him wrong too. <laughs> I was trying to prove everyone wrong, uh, which was uh, obviously a mistake. So just to go back to your earlier point, exactly. Like I was making decisions out of ego. And I think deep down in my gut, I'm like, hey, this isn't a good business. This isn't for me. Because I didn't like it either. Like deep oh. down, I didn't like the work, didn't want to do the work. And that was a bad foundation to start off with. So wow. So you thought it, it might have, it was gonna actually run on its own, maybe on automatic, or you were just gonna hire some people, put them in there, and it was just gonna start printing out cash. Is that is that the way you you took the approach? That was the plan. The guy had it at this level, uh, maybe you know, let's say at a three in terms of business. I want to turn it up to ten. Like, hey, I'm gonna grow this thing. It's gonna be huge. Hired out. I'm gonna make a ton of money. It's gonna be fantastic. Uh, didn't really go that way. I was trying to do a lot of stuff uh, on my own, went through a huge learning curve and basically I ran out of money. That's how I, um, cause I kept spending money and spending on like marketing and like employees, but I was making bad hires. So I was just losing money. And then I would do bad wood flooring jobs. So I wouldn't make money from customers. Oh, wow. funds. So like it was, um, uh, errors well, and mistakes on all levels. And on, you know, so how much money do you think you lost on that business? Oof, total. Sometimes it's hard to put a number on it, but you yes, have a ballpark yeah. idea, right? In terms of hard costs, like specific dollars and cents, because there is the opportunity cost. Like what if I did something, literally anything else within that time frame? Because I spent probably a year, a year and a half getting into it, unwinding it. In right. terms of exact dollars and cents, I'd say 30000 to 50000 Okay. Yeah. That was an expensive education. <laughs> that was my college. How about that? <laughs> Good. Well, you know, we all go through those things, right? So, uh, you know, especially when you're young, uh, you you think you your ego, like you, you can own the world, you can do all of these things, and you tend to not listen to the right people. You follow your gut, which is which says, go ahead and prove them wrong. And and you know, it happens to all of us. I mean, we we it's part of growing up, right? So uh, now, now the good thing is you have actually a story to tell. Uh, so yeah. you know, what would you say to someone that's actually trying to maybe buy into one of those franchises? What would you recommend for them to do so they can be successful and they don't go through what you went through? I want to tie back to that. Like, first off, have a mentor, and then second off, listen to them. Um, there's there's the penalty that I went through trying to do it on my own. Um, and I see this all the time where people try to do it on their own, whether it's real estate or any other business, they try to do it on their own and you catch up with them a year later and either they've done nothing, which is probably something, you know, the worst that can happen just because if they want to do something new, um, there's a reason they want to do that. So probably the worst thing you can do is, is nothing having caught up with them a year later, or they tried it and they made so many mistakes, just like myself, where it would have been easier for them to have a mentor, to be in a mastermind or to have some sort of access like that, where they make all these mistakes. And it's like, well, damn, I lost so much time, money, effort, energy on this, this bad deal that I did that it wasn't, you know, I should have just done it right. right. So that's my biggest advice there. Um, you can, you can see it from my story. Like I didn't listen to anybody trying to prove everyone wrong. And 
uh, didn't work out to say the least. <laughs> well, it's part of life, right? But you, 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 you live, you learn, then you adapt. And now, and now that's made you the person who you are today. Uh, maybe now today you listen a lot more when somebody's trying to give you an advice, say, hey, man, maybe that property is not a good investment. Maybe that that's not a good deal. I, I was like that too, at some point, uh, you know, when I was flipping like 30, 20, 40 houses at the same time, and I remember one time uh, this gentleman said uh, I took him to to one of my properties that I bought uh, that I was actually getting ready to buy. And, and he said, son, you need to run away from this thing. Hmm. And at the time, I took it as a challenge. I said, I'm not running away from this. I can actually do this. And I did. I, I went and rehabbed it. Uh, you know, it was a very heavy rehab. It was a house on on like on the water, near the water, not on the water, but near the water. It was a big project. I eventually pulled it through, uh, but man, my lessons learned on that one were huge. And not only from, from a, an investment perspective, but from a managing people perspective and also uh, the way I handle my contractors. Uh, mm -hmm. And unfortunately, that property sat on the market like forever. You just yeah. wouldn't tell. And the numbers were right. You know, it had a lot of equity, it had a lot of, you know, good things going for it. But it was just not a good deal. And that's one of the deals that went south for me big time. I lost money on it. I, I lost count on how much money I lost there. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, you 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 learn now. Now some next time somebody tells me, maybe they don't have to be a real estate expert. They're just giving me an opinion saying, Oh, I don't know about this property. Well, if it's in a good location and all that, I wouldn't pay too much attention to that. But if it is in a location where I don't know much about, I might, I might stay away from it Be because yeah. learning how to listen to other people's gut instincts, it's also important. So, okay, let's get back to real estate. And this is why I love this show because this is not just real estate. This is entrepreneurship. That's why I called it the real estate entrepreneurs podcast. Right? So uh, I, I fairly believe uh, Victor that we're all entrepreneurs um, for the most part that are coming on this show, but we're also doing other endeavors. You know, sometimes we get into education, we get into tech, we get into other things. You sold the bit or you got rid of the business. What was your next step? What, what happened afterwards? Uh, basically, I picked myself up from that one, basically shut it down. I, it wasn't a volunteer shutdown. I just literally didn't have any money to run it. Yeah. All the credit cards were maxed out. Everything was maxed out. Um, so I did a volunteer repossession of the, like the work van. So I gave everything back basically. I like handed the keys back to, to the, yeah. to the, to the franchiser, if, to the franchiser. Yeah. Um, so it was a, it was, I don't know if an amicable walk away was good, but um, I don't think there was any hard feelings there. So moved on. Um, then basically my next, my next thing was a, like a bigger failure. So I got into this, um, this idea with regards to a, a roll-up. So the idea behind a roll-up is like you buy businesses and you put them all together. So you buy, you know, one, two, three, four, five, ten businesses, put them all together, and then you sell that business for a higher premium, for a higher multiple. Right. So I want to get into that. Um, so it was the same idea. And that was for healthcare. That was for home healthcare. Oh, wow. Um, trying to buy these businesses, you know, a couple million dollar businesses, put them all together, sell it. Um, so that was the idea. So I worked on that maybe like two, three years uh, didn't get anywhere. Uh, luckily, luckily I didn't, I can get into that for sure. But luckily I didn't make any progress. Never bought a business, got really close. Um, I ended up putting like together a board of directors, um, ended up putting together like big four accounting firms, big four law firms, um, got a, or mentioned the board, got the financing almost in place, started to talk to sellers. I think I looked at and, you know, made offers on maybe about a dozen properties or not a dozen, wow. a dozen companies. 
Um, luckily, it never went through. Home health especially has taken a lot of hits. I had a friend who actually was successful. He ended up buying three home health companies, kind of putting them together. Putting them together. Uh, I think he's since gone bankrupt because it's a very hard strategy to roll out, uh, a roll up. You know, Especially in this country it. with Obamacare and all of these other things, man. It, it, the health industry is taking a beating. I have a friend that had a clinic and he does not have a clinic anymore. He's working for a hospital now. So I, I completely understand. But, but you are a serial entrepreneur. I love, I love your mindset because, you know, even though you're going through setbacks, um, you don't stop. You, you continue to pick yourself back up and, and then you just shift focus into the next thing. You pivot. What happened after that one? So after that one, um, actually, so that didn't go anywhere. Um, luckily, it didn't because it would have been a, you know, it would have been worse um, to actually buy a business and have it fail um, again. So ended up working for a little bit. I ended up working for a home health agency. So rather than try to buy one, I started working for one. Um, I figured that maybe if I can like work in one for a little bit, get a little bit of experience, I can still launch it. Uh, so started working for a while in corporate. I was a home health agency administrator. So I'd help run the office and I got paid to do that. Uh, so help run the office. Uh, I did that for a while. I really wasn't getting ahead financially. And there's always that that like inner passion, inner desire to be an entrepreneur or to do something, to have my own thing, to, to you know, build something that builds value. Um, so wasn't in that job for too long, maybe a year or so. And then made the transition to real estate. So that's when I made the transition to real estate. I'm like, hey, maybe I should get rid of all this ego that's been holding me back <laughs> and I should, uh, you know, do this on my own. And, you know, with the real estate, it was- Hold, hold on a second, hold mind. your thought there. Let me, let me- <laughs> Let me drop a bomb there, man. Yeah. That that's that's awesome, dude. That's when you realize I gotta humble myself down a little bit, um, mm -hmm. and I'm gonna make a move. So so you made a move. <coughs> How was that move? Did you get educated at that point again, or do you find a mentor? Uh, what what do you do? Yeah. So what happened? <clears throat> so I was interested in real estate, and it's it the desire or the interest had always been there. And I was always trying to talk other people into do it. Like, hey, there's this real estate thing. You should really do it. I'm doing this healthcare thing. You know, that's going to be successful, whatever, um, from ego perspective. And I was like, hey, you should do real estate. Real estate's awesome. But I was really not trying to talk them into it. I was trying to talk myself into it. Right. Um, so we did that. Um, slowly made the transition from full-time to real estate. Uh, this time I can say, luckily, I did it right. I was connected from a friend, a friend of a friend. And the friend of a friend was Chris Chico. He yep. is... Um, he's really, he's fantastic. He's, uh, he taught me wholesaling. He was doing Facebook ads. I always thought it was insane and so cool. Like, oh, you can get deals from Facebook ads. That's so crazy. And it was, this was like 2016, 2017, or maybe even 2018, where that was still pretty novel. Like, you know, deals from Facebook ads, I uh, was still pretty, you know, people were still doing a lot of direct mail back then. Um, so I thought that was really cool. Like, whoa, deals from Facebook ads. Uh, so I talked to Chris Chico about his mentorship and his, not that his pricing was that expensive, but it was just like, hey, I can't afford it right now. Yeah, you um, didn't have the money. I didn't have the money because I was just working a normal job, had these two big L's in terms of businesses. So it's, I just didn't have the funds for it. Um, so I talked to him. And again, it was a friend of a friend. So he was, I was lucky, lucky enough where he had just gotten rid of his cold caller. For some reason, that wasn't working out with the cold caller. So he had a position open. And he's like, hey, you have, there's this commission-only position open. I'll teach you about wholesaling, teach you about real estate, how to find deals with cold calling Facebook. I'm like, awesome, I'm in. Um, Sign so, me up. Yeah. 
That's so, awesome. Yeah. So that was that was good. So you started working as a as a call caller for someone else. Correct. Yeah, and I was commission only. So whatever I brought in, then I would. Um, You'll get a percentage of the assignment. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. That's that's good. That's a way a great way to start because now you learn the operation inside. You learn how to mm -hmm. estimate, you know, offers. You learn how to talk to the seller, how to create a report, and all of these other things that mm -hmm. are important in a in a real estate operation. So, exactly. so how long were you uh, were you part of that team? I was, and what was good with Chico because I got to talk to him like every day. Like we were having daily huddles, just checking in. So I got yeah. to learn a lot from him. Um, I was, I think, I was with him three, four months. No, I'd say three to six months. Okay. So what happened is we were, we were cold calling and we were at that time, we were cold calling in Miami and cold calling in Miami. Even that back then it was so competitive. It's rough. It's, it's tough. <laughs> and we were doing like the heart of Miami, like the, probably the worst, uh, the most competitive area. So we were doing cold calling. I call someone up. It's like 8 a.m. Uh, they, I'd say, Hey, are you interested in selling your property? They say, no, I appreciate it. You're the fifth person who's called me today. Fifth person. It's 8am. Wow. And it was just that competitive. So we couldn't get, we didn't get a deal within those couple months. Okay. Uh, it was just way too competitive. Everyone else, there are so many wholesalers with so many cash buyers. So that made it tough. Um, eventually split ways with Chico was no hard feelings. Um, yeah. just weren't getting results with Miami. And he was saying, hey, I want to focus on my course. I want to focus on other stuff. Uh, want to put wholesaling aside for now. And I was like, okay, cool. We parted ways. I started doing uh, cold calling and wholesaling in a smaller market in Gainesville. You Florida. got traction. Yes, got traction. So it was night and day difference. So in Miami, people wouldn't want to talk to me. They're rude. They're like, whatever. You know, I've, you're the 10th person I've talked to today. I don't want to sell. Uh, but in Gainesville, people want to talk to me. They're like, oh, I wanted to sell this place. Nobody's talked to me about it. Nobody's you know, called me about this place, but I want to sell it. Uh, and I got traction that way. So that, um, that, let me interrupt you there. That, that's, please, uh, yeah. that, that's actually something I teach is called, I call it big dot, little dot. Okay. And I'm going to okay. touch up briefly on that. Uh, in more deals and the gurus, by the way, guys, for you guys uh, listening or watching this podcast, go to more deals and the gurus.com and um, you're going to be able to go and see comments from past uh, students that we had there. It's completely free. We teach it free, 100%. There's no upcharge. I'm, you know, not, none of that stuff. I will try to go make money off of you at some point. But uh, a full disclosure, man. I, I completely disclose it up front. Uh, I'm in it to make money as well, like everyone else is, right? But I, there, I teach this theory called, which is actually proven. It's called Big Dot, Little Dot. And it's exactly what you just described. People, uh, most wholesalers are being taught, or newbies are being taught, Hey, you got to go get you a deal in Miami or you got to go get you a deal in Houston. Or you got to get you a deal in Orlando. And those are very competitive markets. They're flooded with people marketing. And what happens is it creates a higher demand for those properties and the seller knows it. So now the seller, even if they're motivated, they have more power to negotiate. Mm -hmm. So what I tell people is like, look, man, the people that are flipping houses and that are landlords, They're looking for two things. They're looking for equity. They're looking for cash flow. They're also looking for maybe the properties being in certain locations that they like. All those three criteria, you can find them in smaller towns that are maybe an hour to two hours away from those big dots. That's what I consider a little dot. So in your case, you hit it right on the spot. Gainesville is a little dot. 
because you are, you know, a, few, a couple hours away from Jacksonville, a couple hours away from Orlando, a couple of hours away from Tampa. So, you know, anybody that 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 wants to make, a, 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 you know, forty, fifty thousand dollars, all the guys do is drive two hours, maybe three hours, whatever. But I, I every time I speak at Aria, that's the first thing I ask. I said, who will be willing to drive two to three hours for a forty to sixty thousand dollar check? And they all raise their hands. Oh, I do, I do, I do. I said, okay, I got all these properties available for you guys to go flip them right now. They're in this city, this city, this city. And then you can see those hands quickly mm-hmm. come down because they're actually not willing to do what, what it takes. You actually, my friend, you did that. You said, man, I'm not going to give up on this thing. Uh, maybe maybe it's the market I was hitting. Miami is a very tough market. I marketed in Miami before. And whoever asked me, hey, is Miami good? I was like, stay away from that. There's nothing but sharks down there. Um, my whole family lives in Miami, by the way. So oh, I right? lived, okay. yeah, I lived in Miami for seven years. So, I mean, my people from Miami, they're all from South America, man, Central America. They know more than anybody else in the world. You know, they're hustlers. They, they're, they're negotiators by nature. So trying to penetrate a market like that is, it's a little bit crazy, but, um, you know, long story short, man, what you did, that's what's bringing you uh success now. And I'm, I'm pretty sure you expanded from that. So I'm, I'm curious to hear. What happened after you started having success in Gainesville? Oh, for sure. And I teach the same thing. Like the big markets are so saturated. You're not going to get a toe in. Um, you got to start with a smaller market. So yep. we're on the same page there, which is fantastic. So um, yeah, so switched to Gainesville. was still doing the cold calling. Uh, started to see a lot more success traction with people talking to people. Um, I started wholesaling because that's what I was taught. Uh, my first wholesale deal made about 3000 Second wholesale deal made about 3500 and the whole thing was like, okay, cool. Um, then Gainesville was a less established market. So there weren't a lot of buyers and um, the buyers I was selling to would always want home run deals. So I was figuring like, and then I'd see them, you know, do the flip or do the deal and they'd make 20, 30, 40,000. I'm like, I want to do flipping. I don't want to do wholesaling anymore. I want to do flipping. I don't yeah. want to make 3k. I want to make, you know, 30k. Uh, so made that transition instead of, um, finding a motivated seller, t- putting it under contract, giving, you know, selling it to a, finding and giving it to a cash buyer, selling it that way. I would just find a motivated seller and take it down myself. So um, did that and got my first flip done. And, you know, the rest is history. Now I'm just almost exclusively flipping. Um, I have probably one rental, but it's mostly flips. It's mostly flips. Uh, I really don't like to wholesale either. Um, so it's just the folks on the fix and flip. Yeah, I started backwards. I started flipping. I couldn't sell the properties in 2008, 2009 because of the whole chaos that we were going through at the time. So I became a forced landlord. Okay. Uh, I, I, I was a landlord by necessity. I needed to put those houses to make money. Mm-hmm. Um, I held on to private money for a very long time because nobody would refinance you out. And by the time I, uh, in between 2009 and 2012, I got to about 47 rentals and I re- realized I didn't like being a landlord. I actually don't like being a landlord. Interesting. Yeah. Um, and I do have rentals. Don't get me wrong. It's kind of like a necessary evil for us, but, um, you know, I, I just don't enjoy that. that I'm not, I'm not the guy that says, Oh, I want to have a hundred units. I've had had them before and trust me, I don't want them anymore. So I started that way. And then I went from a uh, landlord back into flipping because now somewhere around 2013, 2015, you know, the banks were now loaning, loaning money to new buyers and things like that. So we, were, we started flipping houses again. 
And then uh, in between 2015 and 2017, we scaled our flipping business to where at some point we were doing 47 projects at the same time. Uh, And that's when Hurricane Harvey hit. And when Hurricane Harvey hit, man, we got hit hard uh, because we lost all of our employees, all of our contractors. There was so much work available in Houston that, you know, the, the price for labor went through the roof. And that's what forced me to get into wholesaling. And, and something that I understand today that I didn't understand back then is the speed of money. And this is a concept that a friend of mine, a great friend of mine taught me uh, probably about four or five years ago. I didn't understand it at the time because I was so heavy in flipping. Um, I was thinking like the way you do right now, which is, man, if instead of me making five, 10,000 bucks or 3,000, I can always make 20, 30 or 40. And he said, Ricardo, he asked me this question. How long does it take you to collect that $40,000 check? And I said, well, I buy the property while I rehab it, put it on the market, get a a buyer, maybe three to six months. And he said, yeah, and in some cases more than that, right? Because the properties don't sell for some reason. And I said, yeah, sometimes it's nine months. It's like, perfect. The way you run your business right now, you could be wholesaling and you could be making those same 40, 50, $60,000 on a monthly basis. You just got to get volume. And this is where most people struggle. They can't find the volume. It's too hard for them to scale. It's too hard for them to start hiring people and training people and all that. And even though I did that in my flipping business, I never knew how to do it in a wholesaling business because I didn't have a cash buyers list. You know, I, I, you know, I didn't really understand wholesaling hundred percent. Like I knew the principles, property A, you put it on the contract, then you become B and then you sell it to C and then you collect an assignment. Perfect. That's wholesaling 101. But I didn't know everything else that came behind it. And when we found ourselves bleeding a hundred and some thousand dollars a month in payments on private money to our lenders, we had to quickly figure out how to figure the whole wholesaling process out. And that's when the whole thing down on me. I said, all right, the speed of money. This is what Alex was talking. His name is Alex de la Torre, by the way. This is what Alex was talking to me about two years ago. I mean, the, the, the moment came to the bulb light came to me. And that's how we shifted into, into wholesaling. And then we just proceeded to liquidate everything we had. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I still have some of those properties, believe it or not, that are hanging around my neck. I got like six of them. I had so many. It was insane. Uh, you know, we had 47 projects and then all of a sudden you lose all your people. So it, it puts you in a, in a bind, right? But I, that, I'll, I'll leave that for another episode. This is not about me. This is about you. But the, the, the thing is, when I realized that the speed of money was in the wholesaling, you know, I shifted focus. I figured out wholesaling, um, how to be more effective. And now the rest is history. We, we awesome. built a seven figure business. Uh, we had an eight figure flipping business. So we haven't really matched our, our, our growth there, but right now we we're, we're doing, we're doing plenty. We got 30 to 40 to 50 contracts in our hands at any given time. So, um, yeah, it's insane what we're doing right now. And I can show you, I got checks there stacked up like that from earnest money that people keep bringing in, but, um, and, but it, it, it hasn't always been like that, right? It's, it's, it's a journey and, and things go up and down and marketing changes and, and you lose great people that you train. So you find yourself, I always say wholesaling is a rat race. Flipping is also a rat race because you're always catching the next deal and you're catching the next contractor, right? So anyways, you go there, you start flipping, you figure out that flipping is what you like doing. Maybe you enjoy that. I don't enjoy it anymore. Um, really? Okay. I think that's the difference. Cause I, I do really enjoy it. I like the before, yeah. I like the after I like that it's done at the closing table. Like you don't have to worry about it anymore. Cause I've been a landlord as well. 
And I didn't like that either. Like getting yeah. the late night calls or like, hey, why are you late on your payments? I didn't like that tedious management. Like, oh, hey, this little thing broke, come fix it. I didn't like that part of being a landlord. I like the flips. It's, you know, before, after, really nice, sell it, big right. check, move on. Um, so that's, that's, I think the key distinction. Like I don't like landlording, don't like wholesaling, uh, just really like the flipping, honestly. So that's why I focus on it. Yeah. I don't even rehab anymore. Uh, I, I just rehab that property and, and basically I, I didn't, you know, uh, I, I haven't even been there. Like I, I just sent somebody, Hey, check it out. Send me some pictures. Mm-hmm. We don't, you know, we I don't enjoy it anymore. And, and the reason why is because we have, well, when we flipped at a scale, we had a streamlined system. Like all of our properties had the same paint, the same granite, the same backsplash, the same trim, same color for everything. So they all look the same. So it, the the whole, oh man, look at how pretty that backsplash is. That went out at some point uh, because we were focused on producing volume on the flips, not necessarily, you know, uh, you know, a certain type of flip. And and the whole thing goes out and 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 just basically you know doesn't it doesn't really you know pan out. So, yeah. anyways, you get to flipping. You did you said you did twenty to thirty flips last year. Uh, yeah, we did twenty last year. I want to do thirty this year. Um, so just okay. continue at it. You know, continue to do more deals, do more flips. Um, that's the focus. Yeah. And what does your 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 team look like? Uh, so for now, when I started out, I was doing a lot of the work myself or tried to help out as much as possible. So like it was me with a paintbrush. If you go back in my Facebook timeline or, you know, Facebook feed, you can see like literally me doing the flooring or like me trying to paint. So uh, I've gotten away from that luckily. So, um, so it's me. I haven't done any work for at least a couple months now, if not longer. Okay. But, um, I'm starting to just hire folks, hire contractors, um, just brought on an assistant just to help me out with the day to day. So the team is still pretty lean, pretty small, but, um, because at any given time, I think the most I've had is like 14 going on at a time, maybe 12, um, okay. down, trying to buy more. So it's still a pretty lean team, but I'm starting to add to that slowly, like getting an assistant. Um, I have good contractors. I can just trust them to do the job. Um, sometimes I don't have to necessarily see the work cause I know they've been good, been consistent, um, I just pay them and I can check out the property at a later date. Uh, but they always do fantastic stuff. So, uh, still pretty, pretty small, pretty, you know, just me, but I'm slowly hiring that out, you know, getting that. Uh, awesome. I will tell you right now how I scale, maybe this will serve you, but how I scale to, to, uh, to 47 flips at the same time at our highest. Um, and basically it was myself. My job was to raise all the private money and negotiate the properties. That was my whole job. Uh, raise private money, negotiate the properties. Dennis's job was to run the lead generation side for Same as Cash, which was our acquisitions company. And he focused on all the processes um, that we had established in order to get the, the phone ringing, basically. Uh, but I was the acquisitions guy. He was also part of acquisitions, uh, but he was more processes and lead generation. I was more raising money negotiating deals. And then we put together um, a general contracting crew. We are actually general contractors. We have our own bonds and everything because when you start operating at that scale, you want to control that project a hundred percent. And so we're still insured. We still got all those things. I don't do it anymore. I don't even want to do it for anybody else because I don't enjoy it anymore. But at the time I actually loved it. And, you know, we had, 
we have like five different crews. Each crew was like four to five people, depending on 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 the skill set that we're needing in a particular property. And we would be able to tackle four to five properties at the same time, okay. work going on. Uh, but we will have another five ready to start. So, so once we knew that we were going to finish these five properties, we were going to go start moving into the other five. We were buying another team. You follow me? So, cause we was, we started like, we call it flipping chunks. We were flipping chunks of houses at the same time. That's why all of our processes needed to be streamlined. Same paint, same cabinet, same granite, same everything. That way we didn't have to reinvent the wheel. It was the same fans that we bought in online. That way they were cheaper. Um, you got to the point where we actually hired a, a materials coordinator. That's all he did was buy materials. That was his whole job. His whole job was to buy materials and put them on the properties, right? And that guy will sell, save you a ton of time, money, and 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 basically the time. The time is what you're buying, uh, because once you start handling multiple projects like that constantly, your time goes away. Literally, you know, especially where we were in Houston, everything is like an hour, two hours away here. Oh wow! And, yeah. And yeah, oh yeah, all our projects were like far away. Like nothing was nearby. Um, forget it, because I was that guy willing to drive an hour or two for forty, fifty thousand dollar check, right? And then we cut a deal with Home Depot to, uh, we were actually in 2006, 16, 17, we were the number one buyer at Home Depot in the whole uh, Houston area. And we cut a deal with them to where they would let us storage materials in their facilities for 30 days. Mm -hmm. So we will buy, once we knew we had certain properties lined up, we'll, our materials guy will go there and say, hey, I need this many gallons of paint. I need this many uh, 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 square footage on flooring. I need this thing. Yeah, the camera goes up and down for some reason. No, uh, I need all of these things. And, and he'll coordinate everything through these Home Depots. Um, and, um, and man, it, it was, we had a machine running. Uh, we owned our dumpsters. We owned all of our lawnmower equipment. We owned all of our tools, like every gun that you can think of with every type of nail. So we, we were full-blown general contractors. Also, we managed the people. But we did the acquisitions and we did the, the whole uh, funds uh, racing part. So we were completely, fully integrated. Mm -hmm. And the problem was that the, the missing link was, which is something I would highly suggest you take in consideration when you're scaling a flipping business, is be careful how many projects you got around summertime, especially in Florida, because when hurricane season comes in and you have a big hurricane in one of those cities, you will not have a crew. I, I, I've been there before. That's what killed my business back That's then. What, yeah. That's what killed you. So luckily, Gainesville, we're north central Florida. So we're an hour and a half from each coast driving. But that's not the problem. The yeah. problem is if you get a, if you had a, a hurricane hit Jacksonville or Miami or some, something else, mm -hmm. your workers in Gainesville will leave you. They will go there because there's more money to be made there. That's mm -hmm. what happened to me. Mm -hmm. We actually had uh, people coming from all over the U.S. to work in Houston. We had 300,000 houses that flooded. Mm -hmm. There's not enough people for that. And that's literally how I lost my whole team. I couldn't keep them. So keep that in mind. Anyways, man. Advice. Absolutely. Yeah. So you're doing all these flips. You enjoy it. You love it. What else are you doing? I know you're doing a little bit of education. You're, you're showing people how to do this now. How does that look like? Oh, for sure. So I, I do two things. I flip houses and then I teach people how to flip houses. So I've been doing like mentorship, coaching. Um, I have a course as well with regards to like how do you get your first flip? how to get to six figures flipping houses. 
I basically teach what I've done and uh, so other folks can get started as well and have seen a lot of success with there, seen a lot of student success. So I'm happy about that. Uh, but just really focusing on that and, you know, just helping people go through the same, uh, same transition that I did. Maybe they're working full-time or they want to do real estate full-time. And, you know, how do you do that? How do you raise money? How do you get deals? How do you run the projects, run the deals? Um, so I teach all of that. Uh, luckily, I can speak for myself. I'm sure you can relate to this. Real estate has been a huge like financial uplifter for me. So it's really yeah. helped me out financially. It's changed my life in a lot of ways. I really enjoy what I do too, uh, which is a huge bonus. Uh, so I want to help others along that journey, make it as uh, make those effortless and cut the learning curve. You guys, you and your audience heard my learning curve trying to start a business and you don't have to go through that. Uh, you don't have to learn the hard way, you know, school of hard knocks. There's easier ways to get started in this. That's awesome, man. Thank you so much, Victor. How do people get in contact with you? Uh, best way is Facebook. So look up my name. Uh, luckily, my name is pretty unique. So if you if you look up my name, Victor Yurchek, on Facebook, I'll be the person that pops up. I have a free Facebook group. If anyone wants to join, I post a lot of free, great content in there. Um, and yeah, feel free to reach out to me. What, what's the Facebook group called? Uh, Six Figure House Flippers. Perfect, man. So go go hit up Victor, man. If you like what he got to say, you wanna you wanna learn from him on how he flips houses? More than welcome to join his his crowd and 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 become part of his uh, entourage. And I'm pretty sure uh, Victor will will deliver a lot of value to you. I know he's a great guy doing uh, great things. So, Victor, thank you so much for coming up on the podcast. Uh, for those of you that are tuning in, don't forget to hit uh, share, like, and subscribe. Tell everyone about this podcast. Uh, we just relaunch our podcast now and. I cannot wait to show you everyone else is coming after Victor, um, you know, that that is willing just to pour uh, information onto you guys so you guys can be more successful in your real estate career. Until then, we'll see you on the next one.